Hello you, my name is Lauren Layfield and this is your next podcast. The show the podcast fans everywhere have been waiting for. Maybe you've come to the end of your to listen list of great shows and you're struggling to find the next one to binge. Or perhaps you have a new commute and you need a podcast to keep you company and you just can't find a good one. Either way, you can relax now. I've got you. Every week, I'll bring you the first episode of a brand new podcast, which I have tried and tested, ready for you to get stuck into. Plus, if you follow your next podcast, more great suggestions will appear in your favorite podcast app and you'll automatically create a fail-safe list of five-star shows to pick from. So no more scrolling, what a dream. This week on the show, this is just brilliant. This is just one of those stories where you're like, "Ah, you can't make this up. This week on the show, I'm recommending Hooked on Freddy, the bizarre story of a bottlenose dolphin called Freddy from Ambleside in the Lake District, an animal rights activist called Alan, and a very unexpected accusations. And the people on board are looking at him. He tries to ignore them. I carried on my swim. The boat just stays there. Alan's being watched. A voice is raised. There's something off here. Something very off. Uh, One of the many things I love about this series is the host, reporter Becky Milligan. She's an exceptionally talented broadcaster who actually started her career as a student reporter in Ambleside and even swam with Freddie back in the day. And amazingly, she actually has the original recordings. The story pivots around Alan, who has devoted a large part of his life to freeing captive dolphins. But when Alan's friendship with Freddie turns against him... Alan finds himself in the fight of his life. Hello, it's Becky Milligan here. And I wanted to say a couple of things before we start. This podcast is a strange story, weird even. And just to prepare you, it contains some slightly weird sexual references. Our story takes place in a small corner of northern England in a little fishing town called Amble, fairly close to the Scottish border. There are some great people there, some of the best you could meet. But if you're unfamiliar with their accent, you might have to rewind once or twice. See you in Amble! September the 28th, 1990. It's a fine day in Amble, a small coastal town on the tip of northeast England. But we're not in the town. We're about a quarter of a mile out, in the North Sea. A man's in the water, wearing a wetsuit with yellow arms, and he's just hanging there, alone. His name is Alan Cooper. And at first, yes, he is all alone. But then... Something dark moves at speed under the water. Circles. 
disappears and then resurfaces. Now we can see him. It's a wild dolphin, a bottlenose, and he wants to play. He twists onto his side, inviting Alan to take hold of his dorsal fin. He will start to dive. Just go straight down for about 20 feet. And then come swiftly back up. And you'd both explode out of the water. It was just out of this world, you know. I was having the time of my life. Just something special. I swam 10 hours, I think it was, one day. You know, if you could bottle that feeling and sell it, you'd be a millionaire. Then, Alan hears something in the distance. A boat coming towards him. It comes close. And the people on board are looking at him. He tries to ignore them. I carried on my swim. The boat just stays there. Alan's being watched. A voice is raised. There's something off here. Something very off. The boat stays near him for half an hour, just watching. Then it leaves. Alan hasn't heard what was said, but later, he'll wish he had. Because it's the before and after moment. What's said on that boat will make Alan wish he'd walked away after his first swim with the dolphin. It'll lead to a bitter rivalry, a rivalry with another man, a man who also claims to be a lover and protector of animals. And it will put these two men on a collision course. Little did I know what was going to develop I would have ended it there and then. It's just not worth it, is it? <laughs> Over the next year, his face will be splashed across tabloid newspapers and TV shows. He'll be ridiculed and laughed at. He'll be abused in the street. And he'll even receive death threats. What was said on that boat will become a national scandal. And for Alan? It will change everything. It took an absolute unique experience, probably you know, a great experience of my life, and turned it into one of the worst. What happened to me, you know, never goes away, does it? It would never go away. From Wondery and Blanchard House, I'm Becky Milligan, and this is Hooked on Freddy.
Episode 1 A Wild Visitor. In the 1980s, if you could choose a place to swim with a wild dolphin, it would not be Amble. It doesn't have much to offer. If you take a walk around the port, it's really not pretty at all. Everything is concrete and grey. You're probably the only person about. And you avoid one of the piers, which looks like it will topple into the sea. It's so rotten. Up in the town, shops are boarded up. Finding a room at a B&B? Well, you can have your pick. Every single one has a vacancy sign in the window. The whole place just feels more than depressed. It feels hopeless. Then, one day in 1987, something magical happens. A wild, solitary, bottlenose dolphin swims into the bay. And in these parts, that's really unusual. The fishermen spot him first when they notice him following their boats. It was nice when he went out in the morning. He was always coming here. At first, he's shy, but soon he becomes more friendly, jumping up beside the fishermen, taking them by surprise. And then all of a sudden, he was just popping alongside when you're at least expecting it. You nearly got an accident in your pants. <laughs> People in Amble are intrigued by their visitor. But they expect him to do what most visitors to Amble in the late 80s do. Leave at the first opportunity. But he stays, day after day after day. Children in the local primary school have a competition to give him a name. It sticks. Soon everyone in Amble, later everyone in Britain, will know that name. Freddy. Locals take to sitting on the pier, the one which isn't about to fall into the sea, to just watch Freddy jumping and throwing salmon in the air. I know because I was there more than 30 years ago and I spoke to some of them. Oh, see him every day, two and three times a day, the dolphin. What does it mean to you to see a, a, a wild dolphin here? It's just something unique, that's all. It's, it's a thing that you've never seen before. And he's there all the time, fishing and playing and jumping. And Did he did he look at you at all? You think he was smiling, you know, when you look at his face, when he turns on his side and like a big grin on his face, you know. Then people got into the sea with Freddy. Like divers, Peter and Dave. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> your heart rate does go up. Wow. Because you, yeah. you've never been as close to such a big thing in your life before. You're talking about half a ton of animal here. Mm. With a speed of 30 plus miles I mean, an hour. When you're out there with them, you don't think of anything else. All you think about is cuddling them, if you like. He'll take you for a ride on his back or, you know, or whatever. It's as if you're on a different planet. Freddy was all anyone talked about. Breakfast time, dinner time, evening meal time, and in the pub. Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. 
Pretty soon, people far beyond Amble are pitching up to see this friendly wild dolphin. There's nothing to stop anyone jumping into the water with him, taking their chances with a wild half-ton animal. And in the spring of 1990, that includes me. I'm a student journalist. A friendly lifeboat mechanic called Gordon takes me out on his boat and I switch on my tape recorder. Where? Just see where the water is. I can't see. Are you ready to jump in? Not quite yet. <laughs> I will in a moment. There he is. He's behind you. He's just gone under. Oh, he's really being elusive. Freddie puts smiles on people's faces for what feels like the first time in years. With Freddie comes hope. A sense that things might get better. There was something special about Amble then. You know, there was something special about Amble. And among the people drawn to Amble is Alan Cooper. We'd said we'd go with two friends to see Freddie. I think one of the papers reported that there was this dolphin. It's spring 1990, and Alan arrives in Amble with a couple of mates. They're excited. They change into their wetsuits and get into the water. They see a fin coming towards them. But Freddy swims away, totally uninterested. After all Alan's heard about this wild dolphin, he's really disappointed. He and his friends are about to go when... I just thought I'll give it another try. And this time... It's brilliant, you just came up alongside me, just banging into me and, you know, hello, I'm Freddie, the famous dolphin who the hell are you? <laughs> Alan wants to stay longer, but his friends are freezing. They insist it's time to go. But Alan can't keep away. He's back the very next weekend. That's how it all started. From now on, Alan goes to Amble whenever he can, even though it's a long drive from Manchester. He spends hours and hours in the water, whatever the weather. And the weather here in the North Sea can be cruel. But that doesn't matter. Because Alan and Freddie, well, they just click. One time, the sea was completely wild. I got in the water, jumped in, and within, like, a minute, he just put his head out of the water and looked at me and as if to say, are you mad? This isn't even fit for a dolphin, let alone a human being. It just, yeah, I couldn't mind read him. You know, it's just incredible. Week after week, month after month, Alan keeps going back to swim with Freddie, gradually getting to know all his moods. Sometimes with me, he'd be quite boisterous, and then sometimes he'd just like really slow down. He would have those very gentle periods, and then other times when he'd say, you're Alan Cooper, I can sort of mess you about. You're, you're, like, you're a good swimmer. All right, come on, let's play. And they do play. Rough games like teenage brothers. 
Freddie leaped out of the water and he landed, I don't know, about a metre away from me. Splash. And the next time, <laughs> he just come out of the water and he just landed right on top of me. You know, I'm just under the water. The next one, splash, I'm under the water again. It's like you build up a friendship, don't you? It's like, you know, if you, you meet a human being you, you bond with and you go, you meet regularly, don't you? That's all it is. If Alan is in the sea, Freddie always swims with him. Their bond is becoming a bit of a phenomenon. His pal Andrew watches that bond grow stronger. It was magical to watch Alan in the water with Freddie because there was something going on that was special. You know, I mean, people would gather around the pier to watch the interaction, you know, and thank Alan when he came out. You know, they brought their kids. If Alan was one of his, like, really, like, energetic, like, I'm going to swim for ages mood, he'd swim really far out. I mean, <laughs> he'd be like, God, he's gone really far out. You know, without a boat, he was really fit. Yeah, he was really fit swimmer, Alan. He had a connection with Freddie, and I think it was really important for him. Like, they were buddies, you know, like, he's my friend, he's, he's another dolphin human, <laughs> that kind of thing. Sometimes, Alan stays with Freddie all day until it starts getting dark. Then he and Freddie swim back together towards the town. There was this one occasion, probably a memory that old always stay with me. Every time I got to get out, Freddie sort of blocked me with his body and he just didn't want me to leave and uh, pulled me back to the end of the pier and uh, just went on, I don't know, three, four times. And eventually, um, yeah, I say it was virtually dark, I said to the dolphin, you know, Freddie, I'm a human, I live on land. I'm leaving, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, I just had this feeling you want to come to. You know, it was like so sad. It was like you have a good relationship with a friend and it's time for them to leave. Alan has always spent a lot of time outdoors, hiking, camping, rock climbing. But one moment in particular completely transforms his relationship to the natural world. It's 1982, Alan's 30, and he's watching TV with his parents, Annie and Eric. They get on well. Alan lives close by, so he often pops round to see them. But as said, there's a film called The Animals Film on TV tonight, and I thought maybe it's a David Attenborough type of film, and he, he probably thought it was too. But it isn't a David Attenborough-type show at all. The film is not easy viewing. It's shocking. In graphic detail, it shows animals being tested on. Chickens in factory farms. Bears dressed in tutus being forced to dance. Remember, it's the 80s. There's no YouTube. People have never seen anything like this before. It has an immediate and profound effect on Alan. His awakening, he calls it. I just became a vegan overnight. 
They, um, I remember distinctly in the next morning, normally I'd have toast with butter on jam or something, and I just thought, I went to put the toast in, and I suddenly realised oh, I can't butter. He joins the Northern Animal Liberation League with high ideals. You thought you could change the world, and uh, we were the scruffs, you know, working-class scruffs, you know, with long hair. And most animal rights people, sort of gentle by nature, got peace-loving, you know, hippies. Sort of. Is that how you describe yourself? No, it's hippie. No, it's a middle-class word, isn't it? Just pigeonholes people, and no, no, I never call myself hippie. This was right at the start of the animal rights movement. Alan has found his purpose to protect all animals. His cause shapes the way he thinks, and every decision he makes, it leads him straight to Freddy the Dolphin and straight into trouble. Dolphin star of Flamingo Park Zoo has a date with his trainer. He has a session every day and wouldn't miss it for worlds. As people often say of their dog, he's almost human. In the early 60s, Flamingoland, a theme park in the north of England, two hours from Amble, became the first place in the UK to house captive dolphins. And it was a sensation. Not very long ago, Jean Haig had a humdrum job in a bank. Then she fell for the idea of becoming a dolphin trainer. And in Rico, she's found the perfect pupil. Dolphin shows became almost a craze. There were soon 35 dolphinariums across the UK. But by the 90s, they've become a target for animal rights campaigners, like Alan. And one day in 1990... Alan decides to pay Flamingoland a visit and he's gearing up for a fight. Now, at this point, he's been dedicated to animal rights for years, 100% committed to the cause. He puts everything into it, rain or shine, leafleting, protesting, going on rallies and even mass raids. It's like your life, campaigning for animal liberation. Oh, yeah, 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 because... uh... You're a freedom fighter, aren't you? Your life is based on fighting against animal abuse and fighting against injustice. Factory farming, vivisection, hunting, entertainment and the total exploitation of animals by the human race. Alan calls keeping dolphins in captivity to amuse humans a kind of slave trade. And he wants it to stop completely. He wants to see every dolphinarium closed down. So Alan's here at Flamingoland with his friend, another activist, and they've got an agenda. They buy tickets like regular punters and make their way to the dolphin show. They're going to take photos and film. They're planning a big campaign against the Dolphinarium. This is home to three dolphins, Lottie, Sharky and Betty. Bottlenose dolphins, 
just like Freddy, the wild one Alan knows up in Amble. But unlike Freddy, these animals are captive, or as Alan would describe them, enslaved. They were caught off the coast of Florida, moved to a concrete pool in Britain, and taught to perform. Alan and his mates sit on the plastic chairs around the pool. They really don't fit in here. Alan's wearing black and a very serious expression. They're surrounded by excited, brightly dressed children who can't wait to see the main event. The mums and dads filming just want a memento of a happy day with their kids. Alan's filming for a different reason, to gather evidence. Evidence of what he sees as extreme cruelty. The show begins. Alan reaches for his camcorder. Then the dolphin trainer enters. He's wearing a pink, black and yellow wetsuit with a whistle on a string around his neck. He's athletic, thinning on top, but with a healthy beard. He strides around the pool addressing the crowd. There's a bit of a showman about him. He's not only the trainer, but also the owner of these three dolphins. His name is Peter Bloom. Peter Bloom raises the whistle to his mouth and three dolphins dive underwater, then leap up in unison on the far side of the pool. The dolphins jump through hoops and hit footballs with their noses. At one point, Peter Bloom stands on the dolphins' backs and races around the pool like he's riding a Roman chariot. And then Peter dives into the pool and two dolphins come up behind him. Using the tip of their noses, they push on the bottom of his feet and he shoots out of the water like he's being fired out of a cannon. You can tell Peter pretty much grew up in a dolphinarium. My dad was always involved with zoos. I always wanted to play with dolphins. Why do anything else? When I had the opportunity, it was lovely. But Alan doesn't see it like that. He feels sick to his stomach. He thinks about Freddy, the dolphin back in Amble, free to go anywhere, whenever he wants. It's painful for him to watch the dolphins here performing like clowns. Peter says he cares about dolphins, and between tricks, he tells the crowd a few facts and figures, like how thousands of dolphins are killed in tuna nets. Educating, informing and entertaining, you know, the whole thing was all tied into one as far as we were concerned. But Alan doesn't see education. He only sees exploitation. These two men are in different worlds... Alan Cooper, who loves swimming with a wild dolphin, and Peter Bloom, who defends the right to keep them in captivity. After the show, Peter Bloom and his assistant are clearing up, and Alan and his mate are having a good look around. We're at the edge of the pool, and Bloom walks over, 
they must have just figured, you know, this is not what members of the public do. You know, we probably looked a bit iffy anyway. <laughs> and uh, got into this conversation. A conversation about the rights and wrongs of keeping dolphins in captivity. A fuse has been lit. Within a week, these two men will meet again. And the consequences of that meeting will be life-changing for Alan. Peter Bloom wants to meet Freddy. Local divers he knows have been telling him about the wild visitor and the sensation he's causing in Amble. And he decides to see for himself. Well, I thought, well, I'll have a look. And bingo. This dolphin just came porpoising in and then was jumping around. He caught a fish, chucked it in the air. It was like, whoa. Peter is curious to know what Freddy gets up to especially as he only knows the habits of his three captive dolphins. I have a scientific background. I have a background in animal training, in animal management and husbandry. And here's a wild dolphin. We look after dolphins in captivity and it just seemed a perfect opportunity to record what does an animal like this do? Can we work out why he does it? So he goes to Amble twice a month and becomes a familiar figure in town. He ropes in locals to tell him what Freddie is up to when he isn't there, including school kids. He gives them forms to fill in about what they've watched Freddie do and where he's been seen. The amazing thing about that animal is that he lived in a tiny space, half a kilometre squared, that was it. You never saw him, or very, very rarely did you ever see him outside of a triangle between two boys and the harbour mouth. And he was just there, constantly. At Amble, the river Coquette flows into the sea and the river is full of salmon, Freddy's favourite. So it's food that's drawn Freddy to Amble and now Freddy's drawing the crowds, all of them wanting to swim with him. But there's no advice on what to do when you're in the water with Freddy. So Peter makes some leaflets to tell people the do's and don'ts of swimming with Freddy, to protect the dolphin as much as the people in the water. Peter hands his leaflets out around town. He even laminates some and sticks them on lampposts. Alan Cooper sees them. A picture of a dolphin's head and it was like... Uh, you know, don't touch the eyes, don't touch the blowhole. You all sense you can argue with it. But Peter's leaflets are sponsored by Flamingoland. That makes Alan furious. So he produces his own rival leaflet. Andrew remembers precisely what it said. This is a wild bottlenose dolphin. Please respect him. Do not jump in the sea at feeding times. Please do not touch him unless he comes to you. Don't grab him. Don't try and grab his dorsal fins. But then there's this at the bottom. 
You have seen performing clowns in dolphin harems. These dolphins were like Freddy, living free until they were kidnapped from the sea. Freddy is a completely wild dolphin who has decided to allow human friendship and contact. He deserves our respect and protection. Something starts to happen to Alan's leaflets. Those all kept being taken down and stuff like that. Really? You know, yeah. And then Peter Bloom put in his, like, stuff up, you know, come to Flamingo Land and see dolphins up close, you know, da, da, da. So there was this... Battle going little on. Little battle going on. I wonder who took them down. Well, it's obvious, isn't it, really? Battle lines are being drawn. And the Battle of the Leaflets goes both ways. Alan retaliates by defacing the leaflets that Peter has posted on the town notice board. We just used to write underneath, you know, captive dolphins at Flamingoland, you know. So these two men, both claiming to love dolphins, are now locked in a simmering propaganda battle on the rain-lashed streets of Amble, a town where, remember, most of the time, nothing much really happens at all. So what might seem to outsiders like a silly battle over a few leaflets becomes the talk of the town. But one thing's clear. Alan despises what Peter Bloom represents. And to Peter, Alan is a threat to his way of life. You know, he was not somebody that I got on with, you know, because he was committed to closing down Flamingoland. Well, the dolphin show anyway. Alan is also, Peter thinks, a complete liability, doing everything Peter advises against, spending long periods alone with Freddie. He was someone in the water who ignored everything else that everybody else was doing. So I found that very frustrating. But there you go. When Peter Bloom talks about Alan Cooper, even after all these years, he tenses up. The growing conflict is becoming unpleasant. Things are starting to be said about Alan. Certain claims. A little bit, a little bit sort of like argy-bargy there. Dave, one of the fishermen, starts to hear the town gossip about Alan. The rumours and stories that was going about that he's doing this and he's doing that. And that gossip is about to get a lot worse. The 28th of September, 1990. The events of today are key to our story. What happens will change Alan's life. You'll recall from the start of the show, he is swimming with Freddy. A boat comes towards him. It's crowded with people. The boat bobs around for a while. Everyone is watching Alan. He ignores them. It's a standoff, tense, uneasy. A voice is raised. Alan can't hear what they're saying, but then he recognises one of them. It's Peter Bloom. Peter Bloom of Flamingoland. I remember seeing him, he's quite distinctive. 
I, I just frothing at the mouth to think, you know, a dolphin trainer was going to swim with, you know, a wild dolphin. It's just so hypocritical. You know, somebody could have three captive dolphins in a pool and then want to get in the North Sea with a wild dolphin. I mean, what arrogance. What horrible arrogance do these people have, you know. Then the boat leaves. Well, not long after that, Alan is in the pub in Amble. Over the months, he's become friendly with Gordon, the lifeboat mechanic. The two would catch up about Freddie over a pint. But today, there is no chit-chat. Alan finds Gordon looking serious. The police have been round, Gordon tells him. They were asking questions about Freddie. And there's been a complaint about you. What? Like you would do what? 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 An allegation has been made which will become a media sensation. And for Alan, it could not be more humiliating because the complaint that's been made to the police, the thing that Alan's been accused of doing to Freddie, it's an indecent act, a sexual act, man and dolphin. Pretty soon, Everyone in Britain will know Alan Cooper's name. They'll know all about his unique bond with Freddie. And inevitably, they'll be asking, did Alan's friendship with Freddie go too far? Next time on Hooked on Freddie. She's going to be laughed away. You know, thought there was going to be no serious repercussions to it. I couldn't quite believe it, you know, it sounds bizarre. And I said, it's bullshit. Are people looking at me in a funny way? Because I, I'm associated with Alan, what do they think of me? And then you're at the mercy of the person with the key. You don't know if, you know, when or if you're ever going to get out again. From Wandry and Blanchard House, this is episode one of six of Hooked on Freddy. The story of an unusual friendship between a swimmer and a wild dolphin and the scandal that threatened to destroy them both. Hooked on Freddy is hosted, written and produced by me, Becky Milligan, with additional production by Seren Jones. Our managing producers are Rachel Sibley for Wondery and Amika Shortino-Nolan for Blanchard House. Original music is by Daniel Lloyd-Evans, Louis Nankmanel and Toby Matamong. Sound design and engineering by Vulcan Kizzeltug. Our executive producers are Lawrence Grizel and Rosie Pye for Blanchard House and Michelle Martin, Rich Knight, Jessica Radburn and Marshall Louis for Wondering.
to listen to the rest of this incredibly strange story, search for Hooks on Freddy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you find your podcasts. Once you've tapped follow for that show, don't forget to do the same for this show too, so you can always find your next podcast. And all my recommendations from the whole series will also be on Podcast Rex at www.podcastrex.com. That is www.podcastrex.com. 